Welcome to another special late week edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Although if we keep doing this, it won't be any more special than anything else because this is the second straight week. We've done a late week podcast. Last week we did a, a Mossapalooza special because of the Randy Moss trade. This week we're going to try and answer the most thorny question in the National Football League right now. What is wrong with the one in three Dallas Cowboys. Now, we could focus on the redemption that this weekend represents for a lot of teams entering week six. For instance, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs have the opportunity to become the fifth and sixth team since 1990 to start a season four and one after starting the previous season 0 and 5. We could also talk about the fact that so far already this year that the Rams and Buccaneers have already matched or exceeded their 09 win totals. And Detroit, Kansas City, and Washington can do that this weekend. We could talk about redemption, but let's be honest, that's not as sexy in the National Football League. <laughs> right, Daryl Moose Johnson? I mean, uh, when there's a team like the Dallas Cowboys on the ropes, that's a big-time story in the 2010 season. Yes, the debacle in Dallas is, is going to generate more interest than the improvement of, of all those teams that you mentioned. And I figured, why not on, the, on this special podcast, which, again, isn't really so special if I keep doing it every week. Uh, why not have a, a three-time Super Bowl champ from the Dallas Cowboys join me and have this discussion? Jamie Dukes and Rod Woodson will have at it in a moment, but I just wanted to get some special one-on-one -on -one time with you as you are wearing one of your championship rings right here. Which one is yes, that? I, uh, I, I felt bad. This is actually the one that uh, we took from Rod, so I, I'm, I'm wearing it is on the inside so he doesn't see it. <laughs> it looks like a, a, a My wedding I, band. I would say it's a, but that's a heck of a wedding band. I mean, that is a big, fat, thick piece of gold that you have right here. So that's... That would be the third and final. Third one. and final. There it is. Pittsburgh. Very nice. So what, what is wrong with the 2010 Dallas Cowboys? Can you put one finger on anything? They are beating themselves right now. And there were some issues that were there in the preseason that were warning signs. And they were not heated. And uh, they didn't run the ball effectively in preseason. Uh, they were not effective scoring in the preseason. Um, there were a number of issues. Penalties were a big problem in the preseason. And it was always... That won't happen when the regular season starts. We'll find. We, we've looked at it. You know, there's a, we look good on the practice field. I heard it from several teams this year. You know, we look good on the practice field. We're not worried about that right now. It's not transferring to the game field yet in preseason, but we're good. And uh, I, I never believed that. And, and right now I think Dallas is, is suffering from the fact that I don't think they had a good training camp. Uh, I thought it was, it was very, very... Um, inconsistent when you talk about location from San Antonio to L.A. You think that was a big thing? Uh, I, that I from do. Going from Texas, you're set up, you've set up shop in San Antonio, then you pick up and you go to California for two weeks, and then you're back in, in and Dallas. You're back in Dallas, you're up in you know the Hall so of that, Fame game. So that that is that my was opinion. Issue. My opinion. I, I if we're going to camp, let me set down some roots for five weeks mm -hmm. and let's get to work. Let's get some business done. And uh, it, it was hard, I think, under the, uh, the, the circumstances that they, they had training camp on. And you come into the regular season and you beat yourself. And I know this sounds cliche, but there's a handful of plays that need to be made every week if you're going to win a football game. And Dallas isn't making those plays right now, whether it was the decision to try and do something fancy at uh, yeah, the, end the end of the first, first half, half against the Redskins, um, whether it's... Uh, and, and that's then Alex Barron roping Brian Arakpo like he's a steer. Exactly. You're, all those last... problems are going to go away. They're all going to go away. And I thought at that time, you know, maybe that's the best thing for them. Because if Alex Barron doesn't get called for holding and Roy Williams does score that touchdown and they get out of there with the win on the road, do you not address all the other issues? So I figured when they lost that, okay, we're going to go back. We're going to fix this stuff. There's some issues here. They go up against Chicago in the home opener, and now the big plays down the field. 
against the Dallas defense, and now that has shown itself again last weekend against Tennessee. Vince Young secondary. was going vertical. I mean, the, the 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 high arcing rainbow that seemed to have gone through the roof and then back down, or may have gone over the jumbotron to Nate Washington for score with two defenders around him. That was that was awful defense to say the least. And then and then he went vertical to Kenny Britt on that play that uh, initially was ruled a touchdown, but Michael Jenkins had touched him. Mm -hmm. And so Vince Young was was looking was looking like uh, you know Johnny Unitas. You're getting and, the and point very where few people, very few people expect Vince Young to play like that. <laughs> and yet he did he against did. the Cowboys. But I have some numbers here, though. Try and help me with this. They're third in yards per game passing, third in yards per attempt passing, third in completion percentage passing. And just when you thought, well, they're winging it around a lot too much and they're not running the ball, they're first in time of possession in the National Football League through five weeks. The Dallas Cowboys have held the ball the longest per game than any team. And normally, though, that's the number that you want. You want to hold on to it. It means you're, you're not playing from behind very much. And that, how could that be pop? They're second in yards per play at 6.2, and they're second in total offense with 421 yards a game. How, how can a team like that be one and three? They're not taking advantage of the opportunities when there's a chance to score. And it doesn't matter if you're controlling time of possession. It doesn't matter if you're, you're gaining all these yards. And that was one of the issues in the preseason. Where there, there was plenty of yards from 20 to 20. But it was the red zone issues and whether they were kicking field goals or having miscues down in the red zone and taking themselves out of field goal range, they were not getting points off of that. So the big one we got to find out is where does Dallas's offense rank in scoring? You, you thought you'd put me on the spot, but I have that. Number I knew you right would have it. 16th. They're 16th overall. So they're right there, right it, literally in the middle of the pack yeah. in the NFL, uh, scoring only 20 points per game. So they're just, they're, they're just eating it up between the, the 20s. You know, underneath the jumbotron that mm -hmm. stretches over the stadium. But once they get to the to the pay zone, they're not cashing in. And also, they're um, in turnovers. They're minus four in the takeaway department, uh, in the turnover, you know, the takeaway yeah. and giveaway. Uh, minus four. That's tied for 27th. And then they only have three takeaways. Period. In the NFL, tied for last. But interestingly enough, they're tied with Baltimore, which is four and one. So I, I don't know what to make of these numbers. The the big thing is is the lack of takeaways. This has been something that Dallas has been talking about for three years. It, it was a major point of emphasis in the offseason. And the, the thing that really is baffling to me is they are always near the top with sacks. The last two to three years, because they have DeMarcus Ware and Anthony Spencer on the outside, they do pressure. Uh, they've got a good front. Um, you know, they're in the top five you know, top mm -hmm. ten at least with sacks right. you know, the last few years. But they're not turning those into turnovers. The other teams that are in the top Mm -hmm. especially the top five. I think Dallas was two or three last year. Uh, when you're at that level with sacks, there should be sack fumbles. There should be pressure on quarterback where de poor decisions are being made. The ball's being thrown up to avoid the sack. There should be some interceptions that come with that. Dallas is not reaping the benefits of the pressure that they're generating on the quarterback, and they talked about it all offseason, and it's not transferring. And, and now what you have is you have a very aggressive offense and a quarterback who feels like he can fit a ball into any spot. So you're going to have some interceptions. You're going to have some turnovers. And Tony has gotten better uh, with those decisions, but you're still going to have a few during the course of the year. If you don't have a defense mm -hmm. that can offset those with their own takeaways, then you are going to find yourself at a minus four. Yeah, the, the uh, picks that he threw this past weekend were crushers. I mean, the pick six was huge. Mm -hmm. And then they, they were driving beautifully between the 20s again, and he threw one over the middle to Martellus Bennett that, that you know was on the hands of the tight end. It got tipped up in the air and picked off in the end zone. Those were two crushing. That, that, that's 14 points right there, Absolutely. if you think about it. Yeah. So let's talk about a red meat issue here. 
uh, organizationally. You touched upon it right here. We know Mr. Jones is trying to sell tickets. Uh, there was a Harris poll that came out this week that said that the Cowboys were the most popular team in professional sports, period, in the United States of America. So he's doing his job there. But if he is moving the team around in a training camp, and if he does not have the proper structure set up to win, coaching-wise, doesn't, doesn't it start at the top right here, the reason why they're one and three? One of the things that people don't understand about Jerry Jones is there's nobody that wants to win more than he does. Mm -hmm. He's a businessman. He understands that merchandise will be sold and tickets will be sold because people want to go see a, a championship-caliber team. People want to go see and buy the merchandise of a team that they think has an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. That has always been his single purpose, his single motivation. Now, you can disagree with the ways that he goes about that, but I think sometimes people forget that all Jerry wants to do is win, and it's driving him crazy that he is not having the success because he has opened his wallet for, for marquee players and free agency. Uh, he's done a number of things, and it's, just, it's not translating. It's not correlating. It's got to be extremely frustrating well, for him. Well, Steinbrenner, to change sports, I mean, he wanted to win more than anybody mm -hmm. else, and then there were times when he just did too much, and then he eventually handed the organizational decisions off to his quote-unquote baseball people, and that's when the Yankees began to blossom, and that's just a, a baseball scenario. With, with, with Jerry Jones, I mean, what you have here is an offensive coordinator who the defensive coordinator, a.k.a. the head coach, didn't choose. I mean, is that an issue? In the fact that here's an, the O.C. who's paid like a head coach in the NFL, and then the head coach here for the Dallas Cowboys really doesn't have a say on whether that's the guy that should be calling the plays or not in the NFL. Is that a... Is that a is that a, a power structure or a coaching structure that really can work? Well, it's, it's happened a number of times in Dallas. And, and I don't know if Dallas is the only place that this has happened, but I remember when Chan Gailey was brought in. Chan Gailey came in as a head coach and, and really basically assumed the staff that was there. there, were, there were, it's the majority of the right. staff there. So there have been some coaches that have been put in awkward situations uh, in Dallas. But I, I think that Wade and Jason Garrett have both spoken openly about this and that there isn't an issue. Uh, Wade has said that he will become more involved with the offense, especially since that, that incident in Washington. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the structure of the organization, and John Madden made a point to me, and I know that every time that they lose, everybody wants, you know, Wade Phillips' head on a plate. And one of the greatest things that John Madden has ever said, and he's, he's as a coach, as a broadcaster, uh, has, has tremendous amounts of wisdom. And, and he said, you do not get rid of your head coach unless you have somebody better in place of him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if Dallas is in a position right now where they can bring somebody in and make it better. So uh, I, I think you stay with it. And at some point, one of the things that I always have an issue with when people talk about removing the head coach is what responsibility do fans put on the players? Martellus Bennett, a tip ball. Right. Uh, Miles uh, Austin, a tip ball that was intercepted. Um, to shard choice, even though the play is called in Washington, understand the situation you're in. Tuck the ball away. Tony Romo, don't even throw the don't ball throw laterally. The ball. There's no, so there's no doubt about it, but for, uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is if this is a situation where we're now in year three where something like this has happened, right? Where we're wondering what's up with the Cowboys. And, and, and if Wade Phil, I'm not saying to fire him, it just seems that there seems to be something innately dysfunctional going on with the Dallas Cowboys just something is just not working that do you think that uh, Jerry Jones will blow it up just for the sake of you got to start from scratch at some point if this thing continues on you take a look at the Dallas schedule they've hardly even played in their division yet yeah do you think that that is a possibility in 2010 or at the end of 2010 because he has never really 
changed. He's never changed a coach in season. Never once. He's never done that. Do you think this is a possibility? Depending on how poorly they finish, I think anything is a possibility. This season meant a lot to him. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, that deep down inside he wanted to be the first franchise that played the Super Bowl on their home field. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he felt he had a team put in place that could accomplish that mission. And I don't, as much as we are befuddled by why they're one in three, he has to be more than anybody. You know, I, I've done everything to put this organization in a position to be successful. How can we be one in three? How have we lost both of our home games? How did we lose that game to our division rival, uh, rival to start the season? Uh, that, to me, is the most puzzling question about the Dallas Cowboys because you can't put your finger on one thing. I think if we look at some of the other teams that have disappointed in the NFC this year, with Minnesota, a lot of it goes to Sidney Rice mm -hmm. and the, the lack of having a big play receiver on the outside for Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. If you go to New Orleans, it's the running back situation with Reggie Bush and Pierre Thomas. When you get to Dallas, I mean, just start picking. There, there's, there's so, many, so things. many things. Right. You really can't put your finger on, on one thing. So uh, do you think the way that the current power structure is with Mr. Jones being the decider on every front, player, personnel, everything, and Wade Phillips being the head coach and the OC being Jason Garrett. You think this is a potential Super Bowl winning structure? Forget about the players and what they're doing. Do you think that that's... Yeah, I, I, they were my team. I picked them at the beginning of the year with the same structure, mm -hmm. with the same players in place. So why would I change now? I, at some point, if, if we talk about the game of football and it's all about the players mm -hmm. from a positive perspective, then there has to be that thought process that it's all about the players when there's a negative. And... You, you can't have it both ways. And, and right now, I, I, I know that that locker room is strong because I watched it unify and bond itself last year uh, as they got ready to go into the December push. And I, and I heard Brady James, and I heard Keith Brooking, and I heard Jason Witten speak out. And I, I watched that team come together, and I watched them go down to New Orleans and in a back-to-the-wall game come out and play the best game they've played all year. Um, I expect that from them in Minnesota this week. They did it earlier this year in Houston. They I did. expect the same type of performance in Minnesota. They are a fantastic back-to-the-wall right. football team, but they can't put their backs against the wall so much. Can't they pretend that their backs are against the wall? Can't, can't they, they go can't create they it all week long? But we're all Don't tell them what their record is. Just mentally, maybe hypnotize them, make them think that their backs are against the wall every single week, because what they did in Houston is is looks nothing like what we've seen out of the other three games. I mean, no. not even close. Mm -mm. Not even close. And that's why people point to coaching. Whenever there's something completely inconsistent, it's the coach's fault. And, and Wade has been a punching bag ever since he got there. And I think, that's why, I think that's why people keep pointing to them. Because if it's completely inconsistent, it's the coach's fault. And you look at talent, too. And it's, it, there's, there's other coaches out there. North Turner has, has been in this position a number of times in San Diego. Yeah. How can you have that much talent and not get – how can you get knocked out of the playoffs the first week every year? Mm -hmm. uh, and then one year they make a push, everybody's hurt. So I think they're going through the same thing that, that other coaches have gone through. There's too much talent. And when the talent is not coming together as a team and performing at the level that people from the outside expect, then it has to go to coaching. Right. It has to go to play calling. It has to be some, one of those intangible things that we can't see. Do you think this is a, a, so you think this is a win for the Cowboys this weekend? I do. Minnesota? I really do. Uh, even though it's, it's Randy Moss wearing a Vikings uniform. He's already said he's over that, that he accepted J Jerry Jones' apology. Nothing but, to do with that. No, no. I'm not for, even talking about not us passing him. on him. No, I don't mean that. Uh, Greg Ellis was a outstanding pick for us. He was mm -hmm. he was a ten year, twelve year player for us. Right. He was fantastic. Yeah, it wasn't some Jamoke that they did. Yeah, exactly. Over Randy Moss. We 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 had a good player in that draft. My thing about Randy Moss wearing a Vikings jersey is watching him, you know, 
score touchdowns and have 200-yard games in mm. Texas Stadium wearing that jersey. And, you know, for these young guys, they don't remember <laughs> that. They, they, don't, they don't remember what he did to us in that right. uniform. Right, you're scarred. You're scarred. Well, Absolutely. he did say this week that, it, it, that uh, the thing that really disappointed him is his mother was looking forward to him playing for the Dallas Cowboys. When you mess with mom, you're, you're, messing, exactly. you're messing with something you don't want to mess with. You'll never forget. Exactly. All right. Where are you going this week so we promote that? Where are you going? I'm going Fox? to uh, Philadelphia for the Atlanta Falcons and the Philadelphia Eagles. I am, I am really looking forward to How seeing the Atlanta How amazing would that Falcons. have been if Vic was playing in that game? I mean, that would be, that would be top story this week. Can't write a script Other like than that. This, this game that we've been discussing. So you'll be there for Atlanta and Philadelphia. Yes. That's a pretty huge game. Because Atlanta is 4-1. People aren't really paying attention to that because, quote-unquote, they're Atlanta. And people aren't paying attention to the Bears being 4-1 because of how horrible they've looked at times, even though they beat the Dallas Cowboys. Steve Mariucci sat here uh, in the last segment of NFL Game Day highlights at looking at all the records just after Game 5, a Week 5 was done. He said, uh, the Cowboys are 1-3. and three. They may be the best team in the NFC. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. And that's why I can't count them or whoever loses this game and goes to one and four, you can't count them out of the playoffs because there's too much talent on those rosters. And the teams that are at the – now, we still have a lot of questions. We have a lot of questions why these teams are down here at the bottom, but we also have a lot of questions on how these teams got up here to the top. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm excited to see Atlanta because at four and one and having beaten the Saints in New Orleans um, – they're, they're doing what some of these other teams are not doing, and that's Atlanta will not beat themselves. You have to beat Atlanta. Mm -hmm. They are well coached. They are fundamentally sound. They do nothing fancy. It's just consistent, fundamental football, which is what I was a part of in Dallas, and I love to see it being played. And you don't get a chance to see too much of it nowadays. Right. It's become a passing league and open formations and four wide receiver sets and exotic blitzes and all this crazy stuff. And Atlanta just lines up a couple of tight ends. Roddy White on the outside, Michael mm. Turner in the backfield. Here we come, guys. Try and stop. And they have a defense. A lot of people didn't expect that. Uh, but uh, this, this kid, Corey Bierman, made the defensive player of the year, as far as I'm concerned, last week. Unbelievable. In the tip ball, diving for it, rolling over, and then going in the end zone. I love him going to the sideline, too, first to get his bearings straight. <laughs> I, I didn't want to do a Jim Marshall. I like that. Yeah, he had to figure it out. It's good to see you. Thanks, Daryl. Good to see you. My pleasure. That's Daryl Moose Johnson on what is up with the Dallas Cowboys here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. With NFL.com's Game Rewind, you can relive every big NFL moment again and again. Watch every game in HD and on demand. Sign up now at NFL.com slash Game Rewind. You want the NFL? Go to the NFL. Now let's turn to a couple of my NFL Total Access compadres, Jamie Dukes and Rod Woodson. Jamie, by the way, welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast. Thank you. Time. About time. It was, e it was easy, right, last week? It was. You it was, Jamie. You're going to be good at it. Me, okay. uh, Rod and Trent Green spoke about the Mossapalooza uh -huh. last week. Now I want your take on what is wrong with the Dallas Cowboys. They just got to find who they are. I think it's more about an identity crisis. And really, they've had an identity crisis for quite some time now. They don't know whether they want to run the football because the owner definitely wants to run the football because he's got some good running backs there, a good stable of running backs. But unfortunately for Jason Garrett, he's got a good stable of wide receivers that are there as well. And he's had a good receivers over the last few years that he's been there. So it's a problem with having so much riches that you don't know where, where to turn to. So, but, but what does that mean, get an identity? I mean, it's week six in the NFL. You've had four preseason games. You've had a whole training camp. How, how does one find an identity? You know, I, I don't know if it's – I think it's deeper than that, honestly. You know, I remember when we as the NFL Network were up in, I think it was um, one of their 500 training camp sites they went to this right. past year. <laughs> and we were watching them practice, and they were walking. 
during the play, I mean, the play was ran, and if you were on the right side, the right side was blocking, the left side, they stopped. They wouldn't even run to the ball. I'm talking about the offense and defense, and then they would walk back to the huddle. They would walk out of the huddle, and I'm thinking, what type of, what type of National Football League practice is this during training camp? You're getting ready for the season, and I believe they thought they can just flip that switch on, and it had come on, they could be this great juggernaut football team. And that's not the case. You know, Jamie, it starts. You lay the foundation in the offseason. You lay the foundation in training camp. And if you don't practice hard, if you don't fly to the football in practice, you're not going to fly to the football during games. It's a bad habit they got into. And I think that's habit is killing them right now. So that's the coaching then. That's that, the coach's fault. It starts at the head. So that's Wade Phillips' fault. That, Absolutely. Is that the type of practice he's, he's known to run? I'm not sure. I haven't been in any of their practices, but just seeing it from afar. Right. You know, you can't allow that to cultivate with your team. They're a talented football team. They, when on paper, if you're going to put a team in the Super Bowl, they're probably in the Super Bowl. They probably rep represent the NFC. But overall, they're just not playing great. And I think they, it started in training camp. I think you have to go back to the, the foundation of it all, and but, that's training camp. But that's been going on, though. For a while, it's not as though, you know, those things. Wade Phillips has won a lot of football games. To me, it, it goes to, and this league is a lot about the quarterback. If the quarterback is calm, if you're putting the quarterback in an environment right. when he's calm, it can execute, and he can, they can win games. In the, in the case last year, in the playoffs, you looked at things started going well for him. They finally got that first playoff win. But all of a sudden, Flozell goes down, then you have problems. All of a sudden, they can't protect Tony Romo against the Vikings. They couldn't. You have to keep, in my opinion, Tony Romo calm. If you can keep him calm, then he's as good as any quarterback. And I mean, I believe any quarterback in the National Football League. But it seems like when pressure comes, mm. that's when he starts chucking the ball all over the place, doing that, that little hook duck thing he does where somebody's coming and he just flicks it out there. That's when things go awry. So if they can keep it in a situation where he's not under pressure, I think they can be successful. But he doesn't play defense. That's true. And by the way, um, I, I know you, you mentioned in one of our broadcasts this week that the Ravens is not one of your top defenses in the NFL because they have only three takeaways. They're tied with the Cowboys for only three takeaways. <laughs> so one team has just three takeaways and is four and one. Another team has three, just three takeaways and is one and three. And we're wondering, could, could, they, be, could they be on the brink of elimination? And the whole, as you pointed out, they don't play defense. Uh, Romo doesn't play defense. Neither does the coach. Neither does the owner. But it just, I'm just trying to, for folks who are listening to this, try and boil it down. You can't just, I guess, boil it down to one thing. But how could they correct this stuff? You're talking about how it could be deeper because of what went on in training camp. You're also talking about how... Uh, you got to keep Romo calm, and they need an identity. How can that be fixed moving forward? What can they possibly do entering week six against Minnesota to, to move this thing in, in a positive direction? Well, I, you know, I, I think at this stage of the season, it's one game at a time for them. They need to have a good game this mm -hmm. week, and then you build on that. You can't look past this week. I mean, if they look past this week, they're one of four. They're out of the playoffs. They're not going to make the postseason. I, I go back to something that you've talked about, Rod, uh, over the last couple of years, uh, and it's leadership. And, and, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm totally fine with Wade because I, 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 I know that guy can coach. I know he's a rare breed, one of the few guys who can, number one, coach the 3-4 defense in this league. I don't have an ax to grind with him there. My question is, is who is the guy on the field that you call upon? Who are your field generals? 
who truly have the admiration and respect of the players. Do they, is there, one on, the, is there I, one on that team? I don't, I don't have one. But they, they don't have one. But, but, but you're so. talking about one. Most teams have one at every position, generally. That's how the good ones the do. Good, I'm sorry, the good the teams. Yeah, good teams. They, they, they do. You look, okay, take the Colts. You got Saturday on the offensive line. You got Peyton, obviously, as a quarterback. You, you got um, uh, Her- uh, not Harrison, but um, Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne at wide receiver. receiver. You know, defensively, you got Freeney, Mathis there, and Bracken right. at, at linebacker. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so the, and I'm just grabbing arbitrarily some out the top of my head. Point being that you could go team to team to team. And another example, the Patriots. Why the Patriots are kind of in a state of flux right now? They've lost all of those leaders that they had at all of those different positions. Right. And it's funny, on game day morning last week, um, Michael Irvin was talking about how that leader being Keith Brooking. He's one. Brooking, but he's one. But this the fact that he just, he, he, he just was right. new to the scene last year. Marshall nearly fell off his chair laughing. Then he mentioned, you know, Brookings is the guy that, 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 that this team can rally around. And, and why isn't it the quarterback? Is that, is that an issue? But he's one guy still. Yeah. No, but, but why isn't it the quarterback? You say they don't even have one on the team. Why is, isn't the quarterback normally just, a, you know, a, just assumed to be the guy in the, and I, in I know, the locker room? You, know, you look at Tony, and I don't know him personally, but you look at him from afar. And so, you, know, you look at Peyton, you look at the Troy Aikmans, you look at the Tom Brady's, you look at the Dan Marino's and John Elway's. When things are going bad, they didn't have smiles on their faces. They, sometimes they came on the sideline and they got on people on the sideline. And that's one thing that's not in Tony's DNA right now. He, he, he doesn't get on his players when he really has to. Sometimes the truth hurts and sometimes it doesn't come out the way you wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes somewhere along the line, if Tony can get past that, if he can get out of that comfort zone where he can get on his receivers, get on his backs, get on his linemen and say, do your, do your job, do it right so we can win a football game. I think if that happens, you know, he, he can become a leader. But normally, you can't teach that. You either have it or you don't. And, and we're reminded of, uh, and I'm, I can't remember if you were here or not, but we were working together here, Rich. And, and um, they were talking. Maybe it was, it was Trent and I was here. Mm-hmm. And, DeMarcus Ware is talking. This is before what game did they win this year? Yeah, it was against. It was. I know what you're saying. It was before the Houston game, and he said that Tony Romo in practice, uh, the thing that he was really Ware was encouraged by was that that Romo was now going up to players in practice and immediately correcting them if they did something and, wrong. And the offense to, was doing the plays over. They, they just to, started right. doing the plays <laughs> over. Like that could never happen. I mean. Well, then that's coaching too, isn't it? It's sure. coaching. But that's, that's, that's Wade and it's Garrett because Garrett's the offensive coordinator. I mean, how do you – but it, at the end of the day, it still comes to Wade. I mean, he's the head coach. He's, he's the leader. Ultimate, he's, yes. the, he's supposed to be the general mm-hmm. but sometimes football I, team. But sometimes, Rod, I think that can to a certain extent be a cop-out. And, and I'm not – I mean, yes, ultimately you are right. But sometimes, you know, there was something in me that, that – I had to make sure I tried to do it right. The players. Right, right. right. You know, yes. and there's something in that, that, if nothing else, like with Peyton, if something's going wrong and it's not executed right in practice, I guarantee you Peyton is saying, no, let's do that again. No, no, let's, do, let's go on back here. Let's do that again. And I don't care if we miss something up. We're going to do this right. I'm, you know, I, I just, I, I think sometimes the players need to be held accountable. Until the players take it upon themselves to make it their team. Mm-hmm. The coach only can do so much from the podium. From the, from the meeting room. He only can say so much to you until you take it upon yourself as a player and say, man, you do that again, 
we all going to be on you. Until that happens, this team is going to be an average team. Now, having spoken to you two and having heard what Irvin's had to say on game day morning all year and definitely what Marshall's take is on that, Sap Mariucci, and having just spoken with Daryl Moose Johnston earlier on in this podcast. I'm name-dropping a lot. I'm name-dropping. I'm just trying to, I'm wow. trying to let, let wow. everybody know that after I, this is big, yeah. I, I've cast a wide net, <laughs> you know, and I've pulled it in, and from what I can tell, you're saying that until the players can, can do the right thing and take it upon themselves, uh, there's a lack of leadership, it seems, on this team. Uh, the head coach is holding training camp practices in which people are, are walking. We're hearing an offensive coordinator running practices in which plays are not being run again and quarterback, the quarterback is not fixing things on the fly, waiting to, to see it on film the next day before doing it, right? All of these things together. Isn't there one person who is ultimately responsible for all this? Yeah. And that's the man who runs the team. But I, and, I, and, and I know this is, again, this is a red meat question I asked Daryl Johnson. He thinks that everything uh, is, is, is fine, that the way it's currently in place is, is, in a, is an organization that can win a Super Bowl. But that said, it just seems to me that maybe the right players aren't here. And also, it seems to me that there's a head coach missing, right? You're talking about Wade. He's great at running a 3-4 defense. And the offensive coordinator was hired not by this current head coach. Maybe, maybe Wade coaches the defense, Garrett coaches the offense, and you need one extra no, person on too late. I'm, I'm not buying too, that one. Well, I think it's too late to bring in another head coach. But I think, I, I think you're, you're heading in the right direction when you go back to the front office and the ownership. I think you look at what they, they went to San Antonio, then they went to Oxnard. Yeah, Moose said the same thing. You know, and then I don't know where else they went. No, they, they came back to Dallas. Yeah, then they came home. But he's got a billion dollar structure he's got to pay for. He's got to get fans too, all but, over the world, right? But Rod. that's too much. You know, the athletes are creatures of habit. They like being in the same place over and over and over and having that comfort zone where you know you can just come out and, and practice. You mm -hmm. don't have to be able to, in another week, you got to pack your bags. In another week, you got to pack your bags again. Then you got to go But it's home, America's home. team, Ron. Yeah, America's team is losing right now. They are. But, <laughs> you know? but, 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 but I, don't, I don't think Jerry's been given enough credit. He's done for, a wonderful job I, getting players there. Yeah, that's the point. Okay. He has assembled as good a talent as there is in the league. No doubt. To me, that's where his job stops. And then he's had to refocus the no, offensive his job coordinator. Is to stop no, there. but I mean, no, but no, 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 Jamie. His job is not to stop there. His job is then to get the right organization to to get the most out of these players. And and if the play, you guys are saying that there's not even a leader in that locker room that you can count on in but your that, estimation, you other than other than a this. guy that came from the Atlanta Falcons last year. Let me say this. I mean, in January, Art Rooney Jr. Mm -hmm. said, listen, I need my team to start running the football again. And so I, I think, and I know Jerry wants to run the football, but I, I think it doesn't stop as an owner letting a guy just do whatever he wants to do. I think somewhere, if you're going to micromanage, you might as well micromanage the whole thing. I mean, you, you want to be there for everything, so you might as well micromanage. Hey, you're like, he's at practice every day. If he's at practice every day looking at this going, what is wrong? He needs to put a finger on what's wrong. Now, he's there every day. If, if they're not running to the ball, if the players aren't speaking up, if they're having too much fun, sooner or later you've got to cut that switch off and say, hey, listen, we've got to work. You can have fun. You can have a good time, but you've got to work. And they have to find a way to win. They have to really find a way to run the football first to take all that pressure off of Tony. Well, and they have to be better on defense. Right now, they're 20th in scoring defense. They're dead off in the red zone. Anytime somebody gets in the red zone, they're scoring. 
against this football and team. And you have to be able to run the ball in the red zone to be able to score. Yeah, they're not, at least they're twenty. They're twentieth in scoring on offense too, even yeah. though they're number two in most yards gained. And they've been right. that way for years. If you think they're about great it, between they're the twenties, but they're not. The 20s. They're, they're either turning it over or they're, but or they're I, but handing I, it off to Beeler J- for the boot. I, I think Jerry's done a heck of a job. And I'm not saying you, I'm, say my, my, my point is, in other words, at some point, okay, and if, if, okay, you can't look at it all in a vacuum. I think we have to look at it instance by instance. But the first couple of years, the pieces were there. The quarterback choked. The quarterback choked. He finally was able to calm down last you're, year. You're talking Tony Romo. by not holding by, on, on the hold? On no, the extra and point no, hold? no, no. I'm about? talking, I'm talking about the in, the, in the big games that matter down the stretch, those numbers that were 300, 220. I mean, just be the same guy you were. Right. Don't give me the 195 game and, and you were 21 for, you know, for, for 37 and it was 195. But before you were 21 for, for 29, right. it was 315. Okay, so that, was that, season. that was that year. Yeah, and so, so the point being is that this team has been taking steps. Tony is trying to evolve, in my opinion, as a leader. He's just not a, a good leader right now. Just like Randy Moss. Think about this. Randy Moss, you know, they keep talking about, you know, he's a leader. Randy Moss is a fair weather leader. If things aren't going well, then he goes in the tank. That's not, that's not a real leader. You need somebody who's leading start to finish, the playmaker. That's why I loved about Michael is that, you know, when you watch him, Michael led from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was there all the time. He was there in the offseason with the guys doing something. Training. I mean, that's how you lead. You just don't lead, okay, when things are going good. Well, just again, to me, macro-wise, I mean, we've talked about what they can do in the short term. Macro-wise, it seems to me that if this season does not wind up in the playoffs, then – then he then then the co- the owner's got to blow it up or he's, he's got he just gave him an extension well or he's got to sit wait or he's got to sit way down and say wait uh, this is the way it, it's going to be you're coaching defense Garrett's going to coach the offense and I'm bringing somebody else in if that if that somebody else would even accept that but scenario, what's he, like somebody else going to do I don't know be the but leader what's he gonna be do? the guy be the guy leading he can't make his offense do you're I mean, about, oh, again I, I, well, I, 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 I just disagree, I disagree with, I don't think Wade is the problem now there might be some things about what the way Wade does things that people may disagree with well the first one if you have a wrong play on offense come on you repeat it you can't let it go Bad habits does not in practice, make you mean. in practice. Bad habits does not make a good football team. Does not fair. make a good team in any sport. That's fair, but I, just I think can't. we could find things that we we don't necessarily agree with with a lot of coaches that are coaches in this. But league. that's one thing but, that but, every coach but, but does. But I don't see this at that as the overriding problem of the Cowboys. And the overriding just to, to put a button on this, the overriding problem of the Cowboys is what they got to find out who they are. They but have, they whose job is the, who's, you see what I'm saying? Whose job is to have out the identity. Isn't it the coach? You take a look at the Jets. That's an identity, correct? You take a look at the Patriots. That's an identity. Well, I don't know what you the take Patriots a look, are now. You take a look at the Colts. The Colts' identity, yes, is Peyton Manning, but for many years it was the quiet, cool of Dungy and now Caldwell. I mean, you could keep going on and on with successful teams. Even, even, even teams that are 0-5. Singletary, that's an identity. Now, I don't want to keep bashing Wade Phillips. Sounds because, like it. You know, I know it does sound like that. I know it does sound <laughs> it like does that. Sound like but it. when you're one in three with this talent in right. the in the NFL, it's gonna it's gonna eventually rest on you. It rests on and and right now you can't fire the players, and you certainly shouldn't fire the coach because last year this we were having this discussion, but right around Thanksgiving, and look what happened. They darn near made the NFC Championship game. So. Uh, just for folks at home, you say an identity. You're yes. saying an identity. 
And that has to come it's, from it's, the players it's, it's, because you're, say, you're saying don't same, bash the coach. Right, it's, it's, but it's the same identity issues that Rod has talked about with the Steelers and what he dislikes or has disliked about this new Ben Roethlisberger, willy-nilly offensive you know, prowess thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants them to find the identity that has been five Lombardi trophies. You follow what I'm saying? Six. And so, no, well, five Ben threw for one. So I'm, I don't know. They were 22nd in scoring offense. <laughs> don't mess with Steeler McBeam over there. So what do you think is they, they, they need to do short to find an identity? And you say what? How do they fix this? It's game Rod? by game. You can't fix it with one thing. I think you got to – if you start winning games, the problems start getting fixed. If you don't win games, it's going to stay status That's quo. Like you sound like Mar Mariucci says just uh, – do, do what you do, just do them better. I mean, is it that's really fair. that simple? That's, is that, that's well, fair. they got to do something better than what they've been doing. Right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just do what they've been doing. Okay. And, and uh, before I let you go and end this mini podcast, what happens this weekend? Do they, do they beat the Vikings? Rob, I, I don't think so. You don't I think, think so? No, I think I the Vikings either. are a better football team. They're better. There's three stages in football, offense, defense, special teams. I think the Vikings are a better overall team right now than the Dallas Cowboys. And they're home. And they're home. What about you? That Rob? home thing. That home. It's loud in that building. Yeah, that, that, that home thing. And, I mean, they're desperate. They're questioning the old man. They got Moss in there. I mean, it's just. So the Cowboys are going to be one and four. Well, Favre's not going to play this week, but that's another story. Right? Oh, I, I, you, th you think Favre's <laughs> not going to play this week? No, he's going to play. I, mean, he's I, play think he really, I think he really <laughs> believes that. I think Favre really believes that he would sit down if things get that bad. I don't with his elbow, but I just don't think it, he thinks deep down that his he's elbow is going to get bad. that bad. That's correct. He, he's going to he's going to start. He's, start. he's just you think he'll play poorly. Yes. But so then, well, how do they win? Because if the, if the Cowboys gonna, do they, get some takeaways, because because a coach gets some nerves and bench Favre's and put Tavares in, what you think of it? That's what I would do. Why, yeah. What, what you I got in that cup over there? I don't know. Some good water. Rod's a different <laughs> person on the podcast. <laughs> I see that. We're gonna. Do you want a Rodcast? No. How about Twitter? Too much on Twitter, right? No way. Come on, Rod. Uh, my, the people are begging for you I'll on have Twitter. No way. There's no, people are begging for you and Mayock, Mike Mayock, on Twitter. And I keep saying that it would, it would take an act of we Congress to Steeler get fans, these people Steeler fans, they just Twitter. want you, Rob. Wow. I would have a, you have a carpal on your tunnel computer. and both my thumbs. You can do it on your computer. You're a piece of pecker, too, by the way. Yeah. Rod's one of those peckers. I, I might do like, uh, computer, I might do like yeah. you know, like uh, Troy Palmo and insure my thumbs. I like, go to nice. I like it. I like it. How right, about so that mustache? Sure that you mustache both right think the Cowboys are going to be one and four after this weekend? Yeah. Okay. That's so then there'll be another special edition of the Rich Eisen podcast next week, wondering what in the world is wrong with the Dallas Cowboys. Be here, be square. All right. That's it for this uh, <laughs> mini edition of uh, the Rich, a very special mini edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's.